It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. It's holiday shopping time. And unfortunately, that means thieves are amongst us. I have some special warnings for you, special ways for you to protect yourself. And speaking of thieves, did you hear about the money radio host who stole millions of dollars from his listeners? Well, truth is, you'd probably think, which one? It's terrible to say. I'm going to tell you what to look out for when you're consuming any type of media, radio, TV, podcast, any form of social media, what you should be looking out for. But right now, I want to talk about holiday shopping misadventures. And when I talk about something like this, and what I'm talking about later about uh, fraudsters stealing money, I don't want you to be cynical. I don't want you to think that everybody out there is out there for you. It doesn't take a lot of people to make you feel like there's a lot of dishonesty in the world. And the reality is most people are honest, decent. But there are those among us who look for shortcuts in life at others' expense. And we are in porch pirate season. That it's like kind of like deer hunting or something like that, except they're hunting packages and not hunting animals. And it's pretty easy. They just follow delivery trucks from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, the Postal Service. I mean, they don't even have to be that sophisticated. They just follow the trucks, and then when something's dropped off, there seems to be no sign of life at the addressee. They just grab the stuff, and they're gone. It is a terrible problem for all the delivery services and for the retailers. So do you know what the retailers want you to do? Those that have traditional bricks want you to pick the stuff up. And I've talked recently about why this Christmas season, it's so much to your advantage to pick stuff up because there's not enough capacity available to deliver all the packages that are going to need to be delivered between now and Christmas Eve. And so really it's kind of an everybody wins if you click to collect, where you order online and pick up. That way you eliminate the possibility of the porch pirate. But what's Amazon trying to do about this? Because Amazon doesn't really have, except a rare number of actual stores. So what Amazon's about is the lockers. And the lockers are appearing all over the place. Uh, Obviously, an Amazon-owned things like Whole Paycheck, but also at a number of third-party facilities, Amazon lockers are there. And Amazon's been very clever about going to apartment building owners. And there are these big publicly traded uh, apartment owners that own apartments all over the country. And they are having terrible staffing problems dealing with all the package deliveries coming in. So Amazon's working out with 
a lot of these apartment chains where they're putting in Amazon lockers in uh, like a mailroom area or a hallway or something where the packages are delivered to those. Then you don't have to worry about the porch pirates. And the facility, the apartment, condominiums can do this as well. They don't have to worry about having the staffing to distribute all the packages. And my daughter's building that was owned by a big company where she rents in California it's now owned by another entity, and you walk into her, it's an unstaffed lobby, and you have to work your way around the packages. They are piled up every day in the lobby, and one day I counted there were 77 packages in the lobby, but there are a lot of apartments there, so 77 sounds like it's more than it is, but it's a lot. If I'm if I'm somebody, crime of opportunity, I follow somebody in because it's a secure entrance, and I am off to the races. Santa came to me 77 <laughs> times that day. So the lockers are a great idea. It helps Amazon because they're losing a fortune to mm-hmm. the thievery, and it helps you because you don't have to go on with customer no service at Amazon and say, my package didn't show up. They say, no, it shows delivered. And you say, no, I never got it, blah, 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 blah. Um, it eliminates all those problems. And so if where you get your stuff, there's not a secure place to get it. Potentially, if it's a valuable item, divert it to, in the case of Amazon customers, divert it to an Amazon locker. If you're ordering something really expensive and you're ordering it from a physical store, get it at the physical store. Do the things you need to to make it easier for you this Christmas season. And just to reiterate, if you didn't hear my prior podcast about this, the math is really difficult. I'm not saying they're all going to blow it, but the math is looking really difficult to have reliable delivery of packages as we move closer and closer to Christmas. And so if you want to make sure that the person who's not been naughty but has been nice on your list, or if you're one of those people who gives to the naughty people too, and you still want them to get their gifts on time, be very aware that using delivery may not get it done this year. So there's big wins avoiding having something brought right to you this year. Here's a question from Peter in New York. Clark, I never use my piece of trash fake MasterCard for anything other than withdrawing cash from an ATM. As a precaution, I have alerts set up, so anytime there's any kind of transaction greater than a dollar, I get an email. Late last night, I received an email saying there had been a $10 charge to my card. I called my bank, and a recording told me that no one was there until 8 a.m., As a preemptive measure, I immediately locked my card through the website to prevent any future transactions. I called the bank as soon as I woke up, and they could see the charge but indicated it was not going through. They've canceled the card and are sending me a new one. Moral, always set up alerts and keep your debit card locked unless you need to withdraw cash. All right, so I like this all the way around, Peter, because most everybody has the ability with debit cards now to use the app that you have from your credit union or bank to lock that card until you're getting ready to use it. Now, this is an extra step in the process, 
But the problem with the debit card is it goes to the heart of your wallet and that it goes straight to your checking account. And the bank people deal with fraudsters all the time. They become kind of where they're immune to feeling anything about the fact that somebody got in and emptied your checking account. And they're allowed under federal law to take their sweet time giving your, your money back. They're even allowed to be judge, jury, and executioner and decide they don't believe that it was a fraudster at all, that it was you. And it's an incredibly difficult process to get your money back when they've decided you're the thief, not somebody else. So your idea of locking it down till you need to use it, as long as you have the app on your phone, it's not that difficult to step to provide that protection. It's a disadvantage you have with debit cards that it goes straight to your checking account and a clear advantage for credit cards that no money leaves your hands. All that happens is a charge is posted. I also set my charge limit on my bank's website. I don't know if they all do this to $50 and then withdrawals. I set it to higher for wherever I want to withdraw cash, but that's at least I'll only lose 50 bucks, I guess, if I do. Um, Kent in Missouri says, I was hoping to open a hopefully free solo 401k with a Roth option for my self-employment. After searching around a bit, it seems that at least two of Clark's favorite low-cost providers, Fidelity and Charles Schwab, do not have a Roth option. Do you have any other recommendations for where to go? So you can do a solo or self-employed 401k, but you can't do a Roth option. Nobody's ever told me that before. Hmm. All right, so Kent, you've given me some homework. I'm going to look around and see if I can come up with a superior option for you to do a uh, solo or self-employed Roth 401k. I'm trying to think why they would make that difficult. I guess most often when people are self-employed, a single person entity, which is what you'd have with a solo or self-employed 401k, the reason people are shoving huge amounts of money into it is to reduce their taxable income rather than to build as the primary reason rather than use it as a vehicle to build tax-free future growth and tax-free spending down the road, as I think it through. And I'll find who doesn't make that decision for you, but lets you make that choice. This is from Brad in Indiana. My wife and I recently had a meeting with a financial advisor who is a fiduciary. Asking what the estimated return on investments year over year was, the answer was 5.9% after their 0.9% fee for handling my investments. Does this seem on par with most retirement investments made with a financial advisor? I was hoping to see something closer to 8%. So Brad, what's happened is that we've had such a run-up in values in the market since 2009 that values of most stocks have outrun normal standards. And so what we have coming is what's known as reversion to mean. And I actually like it that the financial advisor you met with was realistic based on reversion to mean principles, which means returns have been extraordinary for the last 12 years. And that means that moving forward, we will see more uh, reduced returns on average year after year as we look through the rest of this decade. It doesn't mean that every year will be 
a subpar year compared to historical averages, but it's likely that we will see reduced returns this decade as we get back. Reversion to mean is just a simple math formula that means that if the historical average rate is blah, 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 and you're way above that or way below it, that in future years it corrects and you end up back at trend line. It also doesn't mean a lot of the scary columns I'm seeing now, particularly the headlines, that say we're due for a horrendous crash in the value of stocks and in housing because of the run-ups we've had. And generally what happens while demand is still clear in the marketplace, barring some unexpected event in the world, is that you have over the years, you'll have this reversion to mean rather than some kind of catastrophic sudden decline. So speaking of financial guidance, do you know when you're seeing something that's a paid ad or an advertorial versus a legitimate social post, TV piece, radio show, or a legit podcast? You know, you don't realize, most of us don't, how much of the content we consume has become advertorial. And I want to talk about how to keep your eyes and ears open to protect yourself straight ahead. In modern media, there's every business model out there that breaks down what's known as the wall. And if you're not familiar with the wall, there used to be in media a wall that separated advertising from content. On one side was journalism, on the other side was advertising. And the advertisers did not have influence on what the editorial side wrote, and it was clear what was an ad and what was not. Truth be told, now that's no longer how old media works, and new media never worked that way. We are approached for our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com, we are approached every single business day of the year by people that are trying to slip in paid content into our editorial hole, our news hole, and have it masquerade as news that we're providing or information we're providing and just slipped in there looking like that, but it's actually an ad. That's why on our websites, we work so hard to... do distinguish what is an ad versus what is our content that we are trying to provide you information you can put to work in your life. And this isn't like uh, we're trying to be saints, but the idea is that if what you see from me or from my team is going to have credibility, you have to be able to trust it. And it's a slippery slope from day one when you start infesting your content with advertorial, you've got to be aware that there are people that are not playing it straight up. You've got the influencers on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, who knows where a gram, <laughs> that they're all uh, pretending, 
and it's particularly a problem with celebrity endorsers where they're pretending they love a product. This is the greatest water bottle you could ever use. I've been using this, and it's totally improved my health using this water bottle. You should try it too. I mean, and you don't know. They're being paid by the manufacturer to say it. They're trading their celebrity for a cash out. The cash out is using their credibility to increase sales. Completely different to me than advertising. And it can be a lot uh, more sinister than that. And it's something that has hit talk radio around the country over and over and over again in recent years. Uh, If you're not aware, the economics of radio have changed a lot. And overwhelmingly, radio stations that are talk stations sell blocks of time to whoever no questions asked. And has allowed a lot of con artists to buy blocks of time on radio stations. They can either buy it on multiple stations or just on an individual one. And then they will put content on, and often it will be financial advice content. And they will start pitching. They'll build up your confidence over time. They're really knowledgeable. They're usually very personable. And then they start with the pitch they want you to invest in and typically don't disclose that it's their product they're selling you. That can either be, as just happened in Texas, with a radio host known as the Money Doctor. By the way, there are people who use a term like that around the country. This was specifically William Neal Gallagher. I mentioned that this was going on with him when he first was arrested a good while ago. Now he's going to be in prison perhaps the rest of his life for having stolen tens of millions of dollars from radio listeners. And he's been sentenced to three life terms. So even with parole, I don't think you get out uh, the rest of your natural life. And it was just a straight Ponzi scheme he was pitching. And I make it a point on the weekends when I travel to tune into the radio to hear these shows. And I'll tell you, I need a shower after I listen to so many of them because they are just straight purchased programming that either is pitching something potentially legitimate but rotten. They're selling like annuities most often on these shows. They buy the radio time answer your questions about money, and every answer comes back to, uh, you know, they talk about doctors with a specialty that, you know, they have a hammer for every nail that's the same solution to every problem. Every nail they hit, the solution is whatever specialty they're in. Sorry, doctors. It's an old phrase about you. But in financial advice, when they buy these blocks on radio, it's all about whatever product it is they earn their living from. And routinely it will be annuities that are uh, general garbage, generally a garbage product that has massive commissions, generally awful tax treatment, and has nothing positive to say about it for most forms of annuities. On TV too. See, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, a lot of times it's the block commercial block before top of the hour but it looks like a money segment and thank you for mentioning that there are a lot of um, cable channels devoted to 
uh, financial stuff, and they'll be legitimate during the week, and then in the evening or on the weekends, and especially overnights, they will turn over either long-form infomercial time or they'll sell full blocks of time for these people doing the pitches. But routinely, there have been these people doing the financial advice that are just crooks. They're just stealing from you, and you got to know that. And that's one category. And then you have this other with people selling you garbage like annuities. And so be aware in your life that you got to understand what's going on behind the curtain, whether it is on a website, it's on social media, it's on radio, it's on TV. Um, I talked recently about ads running in major newspapers around the country where people are being offered at this time of very low interest rates. People are being offered in ads, and you can clearly see these are ads, really high rates of interest on federally insured CDs. And they really do offer you a rate way above the market on a CD that's a six-month CD usually. They find out how much money you have. They absorb the loss between the real interest rate the bank is paying and what they in turn are subsidizing the bank to pay you so you're getting that high rate of FDIC insured return for six months. But the whole purpose is to know, ooh, this person's got $300,000. This person's got $52,000. This person's got $100,000, whatever it is. I'm ready. I'm going to go sell them that garbage annuity. And it's all a lure, a loss leader to get somebody in the house, know what they got, and then turn around and sell them garbage. So, again, most people are not crooks out there. Want to make that clear. There just are a lot that are not on the up and up. And please be very careful at websites pitching stuff and any social media pitching stuff and old media pitching stuff. All right. Derek in Wisconsin has a question. My wife and I have our credit card through a credit union And one of the perks is it pays you back a certain percentage of what we charge each year. We charge everything we can, yet we always pay off the balance in full each month. In all the years we've been married, we never paid a penny in interest. Each year we receive about $1,000 in perks from the credit card, which we just cash out. Since we're costing them $1,000 a year, can credit card companies close the accounts of people who pay their balance in full each month? They could, but they're not going to usually. Let me tell you the story. So... Banks are really warm, fuzzy places, and when you pay your balance in full every month, they refer to you by a shorthand, deadbeat. You are referred to as a deadbeat, and let me tell you something. You want to be that deadbeat because it means you're using credit cards the right way, Derek, as a payment system, not as a borrowing vehicle at very, very high interest rates. So they know a certain number of people are going to do that. But if you're earning $1,000 in rewards, it means you're an ultra-high-volume charger. You're charging a huge amount to these cards. So, yeah, they're not getting any money from you on interest. But what they are getting is they're getting the merchant fees and their share of the merchant fees. And that's where they're making the money when you are a net payer or a payer in full or 
the other term, a deadbeat. Keep being a deadbeat, and they're probably going to be happy to have you. From Ingrid in Georgia, how do you get out of a timeshare? I'm trying to buy a home, and this is affecting that. I've never set foot on the property since I got bamboozled. I am lost and stuck, and it is affecting my credit. Please help. Ingrid, I'm really, really sorry. Now, I don't know from your question if you have not paid the routine bills for that timeshare. You've got to keep those current. You've got to pay those. And if you don't, that will demolish your credit. Um, I'm going to level with you. Getting rid of a timeshare is a brutally difficult process. You may have a shot if that timeshare is still being actively marketed by the original developer. They may be willing to take the week back from you and return for you, wait for it, paying them a few thousand dollars to take it off your hands because then they have that week in fresh inventory and they can turn around and sell it to somebody else. They would have made the money from you, made the money taking it back from you, and then turn around and sell that timeshare week to another individual. Now, there are some things in our resource guide. If you go to Clark.com, our resource guide on how to sell, cancel, or get rid of your timeshare, you just go to our search box and put in the word timeshare, skip the ads, and then go to what we have to say about strategies you can use. And just about all of them are going to cost you money to get out of that timeshare. Timeshare sticks to you like glue, and this glue is slowing down and interfering in your life. And you may need to come up with something that will remove that glue, which is usually going to be money from your wallet. Be very careful paying money to anybody who says they guarantee they'll sell your timeshare for you. Almost always that's just a ripoff artist getting in your wallet one more time, and you're no closer to getting rid of that timeshare. Season in Ohio says, I have a mortgage balance of $55,000 and the interest costs $2,400 annually. I have a 401k with $160,000. I'm 44 years old. I've been putting $10,000 per year extra toward the mortgage principal. My question, should I put the $10,000 in my 401k instead of paying off my mortgage very early? Thank you. So Season, I don't know the value of your home. Uh, The balance is a manageable balance. You have uh, almost three times your mortgage balance in your 401k. Um, But I would like for you, since you're 44 and you're a good distance likely from when you're going to retire, I want your goal to be to be mortgage-free before retirement or at least by your retirement. And that will probably take away from you putting this extra money towards the 401k. I mean, it's impressive that you're putting so much money towards your principal. I'd rather you now uh, boost what you're putting towards your 401k because you can't eat your house. You need a good nest egg. And at 44, you already have 160000 in that 401k. If you work a normal working cycle to your mid-60s and you keep putting that additional 10000 into that 401k, you're going to have a wonderful balance in the 401k from what you have already, the growth it will have, the money you are already contributing to it, 
plus the additional 10000 you're going to be in solid shape once retirement comes. And just natural process, if you're working the next couple of decades, you will have paid that mortgage off to uh, pretty much zero anyway. I want to tell you that I love your feedback. I love it when I hear from you about the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, you can get money-saving advice around the clock that you can trust at Clark.com and deals you can trust that are really the best for your wallet at ClarkDeals.com. <laughs>